We're so excited that you are with us. I want you to read this with me now. This is our theme verse found in Proverbs 28, verse 1. Ready? Let's say it all together. Say it loud. Say it bold. Ready? The godly are as bold as lions. Do you realize that the scripture teaches us that godly people are bold? God has called you and I to boldness. I believe that God is going to do bold things through us. So we just close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you for a new season. We thank you, the God of the new thing. Lord, I'm reminded of the verse which says, I'm a God who does new things. Forget about the old things because I'm about to do something in your midst you've never seen before. Lord, I speak bold things for 2019, things we've never seen before. Say this with me. Say, Lord, make me bold. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. You see, we're going to talk about a man by the name of Nehemiah. And we're going, to, we're going to try to work through, for four weeks, we're going to try to work through the book of Nehemiah. And as I began to read this book, I began to, began to discover that this was a bold man. Nehemiah was the man that eventually went from the land of Persia, working for the king, to Jerusalem to rebuild the broken down walls. And so we're going to spend four weeks. We're going to spend a few weeks talking about bold prayer. And then we're going to spend a few weeks talking about bold vision. So I want to begin today giving you some insight about prayer. What happens is, is Nehemiah prays a prayer. Let me, let me tell you this prayer that he prayed, a famous prayer in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11. Here's what he says. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. And then it ends with this. In those days, I was the cups, I was the king's cupbearer. These are, this book is really Nehemiah's memoirs. It's his journal. He's telling the story of what took place. And what we find is that he prays this bold prayer. Now, you may not realize this, but this was a bold prayer from a bold man. Now, why was this a bold prayer and why was he a bold man? Well, the last line tells us why, because he was the cupbearer for the king. Let me tell you what the cupbearer for the king did. Before the king received the cup full of wine at his table for his meals, the cupbearer would drink from it first. Here's why. First of all, he would drink to make sure it tasted good, had good flavor. Didn't want to serve something bad to the king. Here's the second reason, probably the most important reason, to make sure that it wasn't poisoned. So he would drink it, and if he didn't die... Now imagine that's your job. Imagine the interview for that job. I thought about it. Is it like a group of people sitting around a table? They bring them in. They bring in a cup of wine. And they say, okay, go for it. You got a 50-50 chance. And they're all sitting around the table thinking, you drink it. I'm not drinking it. You drink it. I'm not drinking it. But the bold guy, Nehemiah, goes, I'll drink it. This was fear factor on steroids. This was a bold guy. And here's the thing about the, king, the king's cupbearer. Not only was he a bold man, that every day he put his life on the line, multiple times a day. You see, he was the most trusted man in the kingdom. The king didn't trust anyone more than he trusted Nehemiah. And so most cupbearers, not only did they drink from the cup, but they were the trusted advisor to the king. And what you'll find is that he's about ready to, to make this bold request 
And God answers his prayer and he goes back to Jerusalem and he builds the walls and God does something big. I just want to make a statement that that's this, that bold people do big things. Come on, say that with me. Bold people do big things. I believe in 2019 that God has some big things in store for you. Let me ask you a question. This man who prayed a bold prayer, when, when was the last time you prayed a bold prayer? When was the last time you prayed a, a bold prayer? I'll, I'll tell you real quick, a bold prayer that I prayed years ago when I was a young man. I was driving home. Um, and I was going, actually, I was driving to school. I was living at college. So I was in college. I was a youth pastor. And I, I turned this corner and started driving down the road towards the college. And about 300 yards from the corner, a prostitute was walking down the side of the road. And as I drove by, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to go witness to her. Now, when God said that to me, I started arguing with God. Because I'm like, God, I'm a youth pastor and this doesn't look very good. I mean, if I pull over and invite the prostitute into my car, there could be all kinds of rumors going on. Sure, you were witnessing. You know, I, I'm like, this doesn't look good. So I prayed a bold prayer. I said, God, if that was you, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drive to the end of this street a mile down. I'm going to flip a U. And somehow when I get back here, you've got to set it up so that I can witness to her without it looking inappropriate. It's a bold prayer. So I drove down flipped a U, came back. I'm sitting at the light, and as I was driving towards the light at the corner, I noticed she was gone. So I'm kind of like, yes. <laughs> but as I sat there, I looked to my left, and there was a Winchell's Donuts, and guess who was sitting in the Winchell's Donuts? This lady. I was like, man, God, you got me. <laughs> so I drove in to the parking lot, got out, went in, bought some donuts, Gave her some donuts, something to drink, and I shared the gospel with her. God answered a bold prayer. When was the last time you prayed a bold prayer? Because I believe God loves bold prayers. In fact, can I tell you, I believe that God loves doing big things. He says this in Ephesians. He says, I can do exceedingly abundantly above. This is our theme verse for our church. I can do above what you can even ask or think according to my power that's working in you. God is a next level God. He's looking for people who will pray bold prayers. You all with me? Somebody say bold. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take this story over the next four weeks, and we're going to learn about bold prayers. What, what do they look like from this story? What does the Bible teach us about bold prayers? And secondly, we're going to talk about bold vision. Point number one, if you're writing it down, write this down. Bold prayers care about what God cares about. In this story, it's clear that bold prayers care about what God cares about. In other words, what happens to Nehemiah is he has some people visit him. If you read in the story, in the beginning, in the chapter one, some people come from Jerusalem. Now, what's happened? The people of God had been in exile for 70 years. What is exile? Exile was they lived in their nation, but because they didn't obey God, God said, if you don't obey me, eventually I'm going to scatter you, and you're going to basically go to other land, lands. And after 70 years, I'm going to bring you back. And so God had miraculously done that. He brought the people back to Jerusalem from all over the realm. And now they're back in Jerusalem, but here's the problem. The walls of the city are still crumbled and, and destroyed. And so they're, they're back, but they're not living up to their potential. They're trying to worship at the temple, but they're, they're having the enemy attack them. They're being hindered left and right. You know, there's a lot of people just like that. They've accepted Jesus and they've gotten saved. They've come out of darkness. They've come back to God but they're still not living at the level of God's blessing. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? 
And so when Nehemiah hears that, his heart is broken. And the Bible says that he, he literally begins to fast and pray. In fact, here's one of the prayers he prays. He says, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his commands and unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Please remember what you told me or told your servant Moses. If you're unfaithful to me, I will scatter you to the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you are exiled in the ends of the earth, I will bring you back. You see, what, what happens, he prays this, and when he's done, then he says, now God, the prayer we heard a moment ago, give me favor with the king. Because he's gonna go to the king and he's gonna make a bold ask, a big ask. What I find interesting is that his bold prayer wasn't about him. How was it that a guy who was the number two man in the nation, basically, all he could think about, had fasted and prayed, was a city a thousand miles away. You know why? Because inside of him, something was birthed that says, God, I care about what you care about. Let me ask you a question. In the last week, what has been on your prayer list? What have you prayed about? You see, I've discovered that a lot of times our prayers are pretty self-centered. Lord, I pray you'd help me get an A on that test I'm going to take this week. Lord, I pray you'd give me favor and that I'll get that job. Or, or God, I pray you'd help this pimple to go away because I'm going on a date tomorrow. <laughs> God, I pray you'd give me a good bonus. And what we don't realize sometimes is that what ends up happening is that our prayers become all about us. And what we find in this story is that God did some big things. He, he brought some big miracles, but, but they happened because bold prayers care about what God cares about. And let me just stop and say, there's nothing wrong with praying for your own needs, but maybe what God is saying, it's time for you to add to your list. And maybe this year, as you begin to pray in the new year, you'll start to care about things God cares about, like the lost, or the poor, or his church, or, or the nations of the world. So now suddenly we begin to pray about the things that God prays about. We pray big prayers. We pray bold prayers. In other words, I think what God is saying is maybe our new list needs to have the prayer for your neighbor that's going through marriage problems because God hates divorce. Or your church, that we would reach the nations. Maybe the leaders that try to lead us. Maybe your shepherds that shepherd you. Maybe unity, maybe healing, maybe, oh God, Lord, help me to pray. Here's the big point. Lord, let me learn to start praying beyond myself. You see, that's the point. God wants you to pray beyond yourself. Never forget, I, I, I had that happen. And it's interesting because here's what I found is when you pray beyond yourself, God will use bold prayers to do big things. But here's what's cool. God will use the big things not only to do things for his kingdom, he'll do things for you. Because the Bible says if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you, right? I'll never forget, we had just started the church and um, we were having services up at Castaic Elementary. Let me ask you a question. How many of you were with us when we were at Castaic Elementary School? Raise your hand. Look around. Is that amazing? How many of you are not with us? Raise your hand. Okay, just making sure you're awake. All right. So we started, and when we started, there was just a, a, a you know, we, the church was growing. We're in Castaic Elementary School. It was in the cafetorium. 
How many know that usually means much more cafeteria than auditorium? Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? It smells like cafeteria and not auditorium. We're in the cafetorium and we began to grow and we, began to, we eventually went to two services and we're like, God, we need a bigger place. And I began praying and I felt like it was a God prayer. Like, God, we need to expand our, our tents. We need to stretch out our cords. You need to give us a bigger facility. And, and um, I get a phone call and the phone call is, hey, guess what? Um, I work at the district, I'm the administrator and we've been looking at our facilities and here's what we figured out. We realized that your, your church is really outgrowing Castaic Elementary, but just up the hill, a quarter of a mile, is the middle school, and there's a church in there, and they're a small church. They've got about 50 people. You're running like 250, 300, so we're thinking that we're just going to swap you guys, and we're going to give you the bigger facility so you can keep growing, and because and, we, di- we didn't know what to do. We needed to add more services, so I'm like, woohoo! God answered our prayer. Well, then I get another call, and here's the other call. It was the pastor of the church. The pastor said, hey, Pastor Jared, I know we've only met once or twice, but I'm calling you and I'm begging you, please stop this from happening. We've spent years trying to, to, to build our, our church and you know, we've got some name recognition at middle school and I'm like, well, but you know, honestly, if you want people to come, they're gonna find you quicker if you're further down the hill. <laughs> They'll get to you first. And I, I kind of started giving him all the rationale of what made sense. I'm like, listen, you know, I'm thinking, and you know what? He, he, got, he, he didn't give up. And he said, you know what, Pastor Jared, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you, do everything. I said, listen, it's not in my power. I didn't choose this. They want to do it. He said, well, you have influence. Use your influence and stop it. So I said, well, let me think about it. And so I went and began to pray. As I began to pray, the Lord spoke to me and said, hey, Jared, remember Abraham and Lot? Remember when Abraham said to Lot, Lot, you pick where you want to go and we'll choose the part you don't want. And he said, just like I ended up blessing Abraham, I'll bless you, call him back. So I called him back and I said, I'm gonna do everything in my power and I called the school and I said, listen, we don't want to change. You know, this, this has already been established and then I had a dilemma. We don't have anywhere to go. But how many know that if you have a, a concern for the things that God's concerned about, God will be concerned about what you're concerned about. And you see, that I think is what God is trying to teach us. If we'll make his heart, his purposes, his calling our passion, then suddenly he'll make your desires his passion. So we began praying, God, I don't know what to do, but you know what to do. I'm gonna put it in your hands. And you know what I found myself doing? I found myself praying for the Lutheran church praying that God would bless them, praying that new people would show up, praying that people would get saved. You know the story. If you've been around, it was a short time later, I get a phone call, and suddenly God opens a door and gives us the strip, the part of the strip mall right over there on Hasley Canyon in an area where you're not allowed to go, but how many know that God can do anything? Because listen, when we care about what God cares about, God will care about what we care about. Bold prayers are prayers that pray beyond ourselves. Y'all with me, say amen. amen. What's gonna be on your list this year? Let's move on to the second point, because the second point we see in the story is this, is that bold prayers are persistent. Bold prayers are persistent. I wanna show you this verse, because it tells us that when he heard the news, he started fasting and praying. Now watch what it says in the next chapter. Early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, which is right next to the month of Toyota, right, sorry, just making sure you're awake out there. 
During the 20th year of King Xerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. The king asked, well, how can I help you? And with a prayer to the God of heaven. I love that. In the middle of serving, in the middle of talking, in the middle of what he was doing, he's praying. What I see in this, this right here tells us something that if you're not careful, you'll just read through. Here's what it tells us. He was a man who didn't pray in the moment. He prayed as a lifestyle. Because the month of Nisan was four months after he began praying. There's a lot of people, they'll pray once, and then the, the answer doesn't come, and they're like, see, God doesn't answer prayers. But what God's saying to us is, listen, bold prayers mean that you'll have bold persistence. You'll pray for a month. You'll pray for two months. You'll pray for four months. You'll pray in the middle of your conversation. You won't give up on prayer because prayer becomes the habit. It becomes part of your lifestyle. It's not a moment, but it's a lifestyle. In fact, let me tell you, that's what the Bible teaches. Let's look at a few verses real quick. Ephesians in the New Testament tells us, pray in the Spirit all the time. Everybody say all the time. You know what that means? Thank you very much. And on every occasion, stay alert and be what? In your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let me just point out, the Bible says that we're supposed to pray all the time, be persistent. And by the way, we're supposed to pray beyond ourselves. Just throwing that in. It's a little freebie. Look at what it says also in the book of Thessalonians. Never stop praying. Don't quit. Jesus was a man of prayer. In fact, he tells a parable about a woman who um, needed justice from the judge and the judge didn't give her justice. And so she just kept going back and persistently pestering him and going to him until finally, even though he was unrighteous, he gave her her request because she didn't give up. And then he ends by saying, so I'm telling you this so that all of you as followers of Christ will stay strong in your prayer and not give up. But you'll be persistent. See, Jesus didn't stop. His whole life was literally miracles and teaching and mentoring in between his prayers. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people that you've just given up on prayer. And bold prayers are people that stand up and say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I think that prayers should be like texting. How many out here have ever texted anything before? Come on, I should see everybody's hand up, right? It's huge. In fact, I was looking at some statistics. I think I read this week that there are over 18 trillion texts every day. Come on, how many know that some people like have a gift for texting? <laughs> have you ever met those people? I mean, they can have a conversation with you and still text at the same time. <laughs> have you met those people? It's crazy. I, I, I saw the world record. Did you know that the world record for texting in 60 seconds, there's a 13-year-old girl who holds the record with 53 texts in 60 seconds. Some of you are like, get a life. I just... Uh... <laughs> Here's why I think prayer should be like texting. See, when I first heard texting was coming out, I thought to myself, that'll never catch on. <laughs> so don't invest with me in case you're wondering. <laughs> That'll, that'll never catch on. Why would I text someone when I could call them? And now it's, it's massive. It's huge. Everyone does it. Why? Here's why, I think. Because when you text, you can hold a continuous conversation while you're doing something else. How I many of you can text while you're driving? Don't do it. 
I love my car because my car is a feature I can push a button and say, text James Renee. And then a, a, a voice will come on and say, what would you like to say to James Renee? <laughs> and then I tell it and then it, it reads it back to me. It says, would you like me to send it now? Now say yes, and it sends it for me. Now, if you're doing it that way, hands-free, then okay, go ahead. But how I many know you can text and drive at the same time? You can be working on your computer and hold a conversation. You see, it's a text thread that continues, that doesn't stop. You can keep it going. And when I read this story in Nehemiah, what I find is a man who he was consistently praying for four months, and then even while he's serving the king, even while he's having a conversation, what is he doing? He's texting God. He's saying, God, give me favor. Do you know that you can... Talk to God before you meet with that client. You can talk to God before your kids go to bed. You can talk to God before you have your meal. You can talk to God all the time because God is there and he can hear you. God has called us to persistent prayer. Somebody say amen. See, I love this quote by Martin Luther and it's this. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. God is willing and waiting for you to pray bold prayers. He wants to release his promises, but he's waiting for people who have the courage to ask, to be bold. It's interesting because Nehemiah kept praying. He didn't give up. And God gave him a big answer. Reminds me of a, a story I want to share quickly. My brother is uh, uh, someone who over the years, my younger brother, has felt called by God to, to fast and pray. And, and during his life, he's done at least 10 40-day fasts. And to be honest, it just sounds impossible. I mean, and he actually right now, he's in the middle of a water-only 40-day fast. And... I remember the first fast that he did. Most of the fast that he would do would be um, with juices and things like that, liquid fast. But I'll never forget the first fast that he did. He was a young man. He felt God called him to fast. And here's, here's what he, he really felt God saying is that God had given him songs and given him these songs to, to be recorded so that they could be shared with the body of Christ and people would sing them. But here was the problem. He was a young man with no money in a small church with limited resources, didn't have $10,000 to record an album. So he felt like God called him to fast and pray that God would open the door for him to record an album. So he started praying and started fasting, day one, day two, day three, day four. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he fasted and he fasted. And I gotta tell you, when you're fasting, if you've ever done it before, you can get to days where you just like, ah, I, think, I think I need to stop, change this up. There's a lot of people that I wonder what would happen if they made it to day 40 of their prayer. Because what happened is on the 40th day, everybody say the 40th day. 40th. On the 40th day, someone shows up at the church, walks to the office, knocks on the door of the pastor, which happened to be my father. My father let him in and sat down. He said, what can I do for you? And he said, well, I just came by because God spoke to me and told me to bring you this. He said, what is it? He said, well, God told me that I'm supposed to give you $10,000 so that your son can record an album on the 40th day. I wonder what would have happened if he had stopped on day 20. 
I wonder what would have happened if he hadn't said, Lord, I'm going to persist. I'm going to continue to stand. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. And I had someone come up to me after service yesterday, and they said, Pastor Jared, you know, your message today, it inspired me because I quit praying, and I quit believing, but I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep praying, and I want to say to you today, what do you need to keep praying for? What do you need to be persistent in? Listen, when was the last time you persisted with a bold prayer? You know what? Bold prayers bring bold results. Bold people see big things. Bold prayers, they care about what God cares about. Bold prayers, they're persistent. Let me give you the third point. Bold prayers believe in a big God. Bold prayers believe in a big God. It's interesting because Nehemiah, he prayed a pretty bold prayer. And his bold prayer turned into a bold ask. It was really a, a prayer and an ask all at the same time. So he said, God, give me favor with the king. And so he goes in before the king and watch what happens. I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. And I replied, long live the king. I mean, this is a smart guy. Okay. Knew what he was doing. Read how to win friends and influence people. It'll help you out. He must have read the book. Long live the king. And then he says, how can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried in in its ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven. He was texting I replied, if it please the king, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And I also said to the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forests, instructing him to give me timber. I need it to make the beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and oh, by the way, a house for myself. Bold. You know why this was bold? Let me give you three quick reasons why this was bold. Because number one, you never served in front of the king sad. You put on your best face. You came into the court of the king. You were happy. You were there to serve. You were there to do what was needed to be done. You never brought your troubles or your trials or your problems in before the king. He was busy. He had things that he had to do. So you were always on your best behavior before the king. So this was bold because he was becoming vulnerable. As you let him see a little bit of what was going on. It's bold. In those days, if the king was upset, he could send you to prison. He could have your head chopped off. That's bold. You know it was also bold? It was bold to say, hey, king, by the way, I have something that I need to do. So would you allow your most trusted advisor to leave for 12 years? That's how long he was gone. Could you, could you find someone to fill in for me for 12 years? It's bold. And then he not only said that, he said, and and listen, king, would you not only do that, but would you supply me with all the resources, the protection, the lumber, 
that comes from the, the, the fields to, and the forest to help build the walls, all of, these, all of this money, all these resources, even money to, to buy, build my own house. And we know that the king also gave him an allotment of food and, and tax money that came in. It was a bold ask. You know, it's interesting is this, is that What you pray for reflects what you believe about God. You see, when I think about what he did, it tells me something. It tells me that Nehemiah believed in a big God. And let me ask you a question and ask you this. What you pray for reflects what you believe about God. So what are you praying for? Because here's the thought. If you're praying selfish prayers, then maybe you think God exists for you. Or if you're praying small prayers, maybe you don't have much faith in a big God. Or if you're praying rarely, then maybe you don't even believe that God really listens and answers prayer. Come on, I'm preaching better than your amen. And somebody out there say amen. God, do you really hear me? In fact, can I throw something in that I hadn't planned to say? But you know the Bible tells us that, that what faith is, faith is when you you. you Know that God exists and that he hears you. And if you know that he hears you, you know that you have an answer. There's a lot of people, they have a pretty small God because they don't even think he can hear them. Huh? Did you say something? What you pray for tells us what you believe about God. What I love is the Bible is filled with big prayers. Remember the story of, of the man named Joshua who was chasing the enemies of God, trying to defeat them, and, and the sun was getting ready to set. So he prays a bold prayer, and he says, God, let the sun stand still. And according to the Bible, the sun stood still for, for about three hours until they were able to finish defeating their enemy. You know, it's interesting. Can I just throw this in? I read an article a while back by astronomers and by historical record. And did you know that in, the, that, that in what they consider to be the time of history throughout the galaxy, that there are three hours unaccounted for? Do you know that? Could it be that those were the three hours where God heard a bold prayer and he decided to be a big God? I wanna encourage you that God answers bold prayers with big answers. And maybe it's time for you and I to say, God, I'm tired of praying all about me. I'm tired of just praying about all these little things. God, I want to get a little bolder in my beliefs. Maybe this year, God wants you to pray some bold prayers. Maybe he wants you to dare to believe that God can restore that broken relationship. Maybe he wants you to dare to believe that you can go back to school and get your degree. Maybe he wants you to dare to believe that you can find love. Maybe he wants you to dare to believe that you can start that company. Maybe he wants you to dare to believe that you can start a ministry to the hopeless. Maybe he wants you to dare to believe that you can lead a circle. Maybe he wants you to dare to believe that this year you're going to sell out to God and you're not going to live caught up in the things of the world. You're not going to live. Maybe he wants you to dare to believe that this year you don't have to keep living addicted, but you can be free. Maybe he wants you to dare to believe that Higher Vision Church can touch the nations with our missions. Maybe he wants you to dare to believe that this city can be a city like Nineveh where people repent and turn to God. Bold prayers. 
Bold prayers come from believing in a big God. I want to share another bold prayer that I prayed, and we'll bring this to a close. I, uh, I remember when God was calling us to leave Modesto to plant the church. And some of you have heard this story, so if you have, hang in there with me. Those, but there's many that haven't. I'll never forget the pastor at the church I was serving at at the time. I was the worship pastor. He told me that before we left, that I could preach on the weekend and take an offering. And that offering would go towards the church plant. Here's what we really needed. We needed quite a bit of money, a couple hundred thousand dollars, but a hundred thousand of it specifically was for the trailer, the PA, the lighting, all the rolling racks, everything that was needed for setup and teardown to do church in a school. It's about a hundred thousand dollars for that. So I never forget, I sat down before this time to pray and I, I started praying and talking to God and I'm like, God, what do you want me to believe for? Should I believe for $25,000? Now, let me tell you why I threw that number out. Because our church that I was a part of had, had helped another church plant about a year before and had taken their biggest offering, which was $25,000. So I was thinking in my head, well, God, if you can do that, you can do this. And I'm like, God, should I believe for $25,000? And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I can do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. Remember, we talked about it at the beginning, that God's the next level God. So I was like challenged. I'm like, okay, God, maybe you're telling me to boldly believe for more. So you want me to believe for 50,000? Why I doubled it? I don't know, but that's what I did. 50,000. And then the Holy Spirit spoke back to me again and said, I can do exceedingly abundantly. I'm like, you want me to believe for 75,000 triple of what was done? That's, that's pretty crazy, God. And then I heard his voice one more time. I can do exceedingly abundantly above. I'm like, God, you want me to believe for $100,000? This is, this is insane. So I began praying a bold prayer. In fact, I went to our team. One of them is sitting right over there, April. I don't know if she remembers that conversation. I, I gathered them around. I said, guys, I want you to start fasting. I want you to start praying. We're believing that in this, this one thing, it's gonna be the seed offering to get this thing off the ground. We're gonna get $100,000. Never forget, I got up and preached. It was the worst weekend to preach because they canceled one of the services. It was a holiday weekend like, um, type thing with graduations and stuff, so people were gone. Very low attendance. I got up and I shared the vision. I'm believing for $100,000. The next morning, I get a phone call. And, and there's joy all over the, the phone. They're like, you need to come up here right now. So I run upstairs to the room where they were counting. They had all the counters there. I said, you've got to come in here, Pastor Jared. I come running in. And they said, look. And I ran around the table. And there sitting on the table was this massive piece of paper. And on it were written the number 107000. $107,000. I tell you what, and they, the ladies that were counting there, they began crying and, and, like, and like cheering, and I started cheering, and I literally did a cartwheel right there in the middle of the office. <laughs> literally. And God went above and beyond what I could, could even imagine or think. The bold and big God that we serve can do big things when we dare to believe for bold things. Now, I want to end with this because here's the part of the, the context of this, this book that people don't know. You see, the children of Israel, because they had, had, had basically disobeyed God for a long, long period of time, God said, I'm going to send you into captivity. So they went to other nations. They were um, like refugees spread out all throughout the re region. And for 70 years, they were in other cities and other places. That's why Nehemiah was where he was. He was in exile. So all of these people are spread out all throughout the kingdom, but God said, in 70 years, I'll bring you back. So now, think about it. Many years later, 70 years later, now the king that 
defeated Jerusalem and brought them as exiles to Babylon. He's gone, and now a new king, the king of Persia, a totally different realm, is now in charge of the whole kingdom, and God speaks to his heart and tells him, it's time for you to let all the refugees go back home. It's time for you to let all the exiles go back home. And so he gets up and he makes a a proclamation, and the proclamation was that the children of Israel, the, the Jews, they could go back to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. But if you look at history, here's what you discover. God didn't just send back the Jews who were refugees. He sent back every refugee in the entire realm back to their home. Why am I saying this? Because God has a way of answering prayers on another level. You see, my my question is, who's waiting to be set free on the other side of your bold prayer. You see, I prayed a bold prayer 14 years ago, and in, in that prayer, I never really knew that just we would, we would get the trailer, we would come here, we'd start the church, but then what I didn't realize was that 13 years later, God wasn't just raising up a group of people, He wasn't just working in my family, but there were 41,000 refugees that didn't know Jesus that now have raised their hand and accepted Christ through Higher Vision Church over 14 years because God has a way of touching people beyond you. I could, I could stop. I don't have time. I could literally go through person after person in this room whose life has been radically changed by God. Why? Well, partly because... Someone prayed a bold prayer. And God decided to be a big God and go above and beyond. I didn't see 41,000 people accepting Christ. What don't you see that God sees? Who's waiting on the other side of your bold prayer? What lives could be changed because you dared to believe in a big God? serve a big God who can do big things. Bold people do big things.